Hey everyone, welcome or welcome back to the Brave Church Podcast, and thanks for listening. At the end of this talk, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook or Instagram, where you can get even more connected to what's going on in our community. But most importantly, we hope the following talk inspires you to take your next step in finding or following Jesus. Hey, welcome to Easter at Brave. Oh, the rowdy group. I love it. We are finishing the Gospel of Mark series today after a year. Jesus said it is finished, so we thought we would too. We're so glad you're here. Everyone is welcome here, unless you're a Clippers fan. No, I'm serious. Just get on out of here. I was so excited last night, you guys. I mean, I went through my usual routine, kind of like a pro athlete. I drank magnesium. I'm moisturize my chins, I took melatonin, and I rubbed my calves with Australian Dream Cream. No, that's what the pro athletes really do. Um, but I, man, it's Easter and I'm ready for this. And at any point you get excited or you want to say amen or whatever, just do it. Because uh, this is a great holiday for a lot of families to come out. A lot of, it's a tradition, it's a great time. And for many of us, it's part of our weekly routine here at Brave. We're followers of Jesus and we're open on Sundays and it's great to be here. So glad you're here. Uh, you don't have to believe the way we believe. Uh, we, we're all learning, we're all growing, but I believe that this is a message of hope that's for all of us today. And so we're going to pick up at the end of the Gospel of Mark in chapter 15, verse 46, and then into chapter 16, verse 46. So Joseph bought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of a rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. Chapter 16, verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb... They saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell the disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. Many live with a perspective of, on life that drains their hope. We know this is true because we're settling into depression as a way of life, discouragement that leads to despair, and fear in all of its various forms. Anxiety is at an all-time high. People are more angry in general, less likely to just go with the flow. And hope is draining out of many lives at an unusual fast pace these days. While we are willing to try more and more things, the pace and the level of unresolved emotional needs are taking their toll in our lives. There are things in us that have not yet died. We've not gotten over them. They continue with us today. 
And when we keep Jesus in the grave, or we keep him as a distant historical figure, our daily life can feel very hopeless. And so I want to share with you three beliefs that can increase your hope. Number one, everything must die. Verse 46, so Joseph bought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in the linen and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. When you carry a lifeless body, there's a harsh reality to that. It's all over. When you hear the the stone roll and lock into place, you feel closed off from the rest of the world. There's a real sense of finality to Jesus' death. It was finished. That is true. The dead end has come. The ending was complete. You know, endings are often very painful. We all die, but there are many ways that we can experience a type of death in our lives. When life does not go as planned, there's the death of a marriage, the death of a dream, the death of, uh, of trust in a broken relationship together, the loss of health over the slow death of losing your mobility. To feel like others no longer see you is a form of death, that I don't matter as much as I used to. But not all endings are bad. Some endings bring about good things. And every one of us has at least one reoccurring issue in our lives that we can think of, one problem that is an obstacle to our best life. It's a pivotal thing in our life. Whatever that one thing is, it keeps coming back. It just comes to us in different forms. You might even think, if I could just overcome this this one area of my life, this one issue, my life would be so much better. Sometimes it feels like there's a stone that's been rolled in front of us that walls us off, that keeps us from fulfilling our purpose and meaning in life. And it can sound harsh, maybe even insensitive, but everything must die. It's a fact of life. It's a fact of nature that some things must end for new things to begin. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow said this, that great is the art of the beginning, but greater is the art of the ending. Why? The tomorrow, the hope you have, the desire in what you envision may never come to pass if you do not end some of the things that you're doing today. Endings are a natural part of the universe that we have to face. Endings are an inherent reality. So what is it? What is it that drains you? What is it that stops you this side of that stone that's rolled in front of you? What's got you stuck in life? Getting to your best life always requires you to end something, to leave something behind in order to move on. You might need to leave that maple scone behind you, right? To get healthier, You might need to face the root issue of why am I so insecure? In order to move towards becoming a more secure you, what will that look like? And we all must put an end to our excuses. Excuses will always keep us from becoming what we could become. We must face the truth. It is the truth that heals us and sets us free. And so growth in our lives always demands that we move on. Otherwise, we just stay stuck. A stuck person lives never becoming who or what they were never what they were meant to be. A stuck person lives never accomplishing all that their talents and abilities could afford them. And so you have to let some things die to live. 
Some relationships should go away. Some practices and phases must be let go. Some life stages should come to an end and open up space for the next one. I became a grandpa three months ago. Yeah. That means something. That meant an end of an era for me. I'm not trying to look cool anymore. That, like that life season is so over for me. I'm not even worried about what I look like anymore or whether or not I tan. I don't even have to lay out anymore, which was always awkward when I did. I can wear like, like black socks and Bermuda shorts. I can wear anything I want. You know, I can, I can sit in my recliner and fall asleep and drool. I don't care. I'll drool whenever I want to drool. That's, that's the way it is with drooling. You know, looking sexy years have ended for me. I don't think I ever had one anyway. But, but now getting lucky for me means I found my car in my parking lot. And I can go home now. Everything must die. Ecclesiastes says there's a season for things to begin and a season for things to end. That's how life works. Endings are not only a part of life, they're a requirement for living and thriving emotionally and spiritually and professionally and personally in your own life. Jesus' ending on earth was necessary. And if ever there was a reason to avoid an ending, Jesus had one. Dying on a cross is so painful, so hurtful, it's not nice at all. Love is painful. To speak the truth in love to another person that you care about, it can hurt. So we all tend to avoid endings for many different reasons. Sometimes we avoid an ending because we just, we're afraid of having that confrontation, having that conversation, or we're afraid of hurting someone, or, or we're afraid of the sadness of letting go and what that will mean. You see, we avoid endings. We avoid endings when we just don't feel like we have the skills to execute that ending very well. When we, we don't have the right words to use. There are many different reasons why we repeat the same mistakes and same patterns in our lives over and over again. We avoid necessary endings when we fail to grasp the importance of a moment. Easter is a moment. Today is a moment. In a short while, you'll be given an opportunity to make it a decision that relates to your own personal life, some opportunity that you're facing right now, and something that you need to let go of, something that you need to end in order to move into your future. And so today is very special. It's a special day to reflect on what needs to end and what needs to begin. Everything must die. Jesus' death was a necessary ending. Number two, everything must rise. Verse four, when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him? When I was writing this talk on Monday, uh, the news alert came out that Notre Dame Cathedral was on fire. Here's a picture of that. Uh, while it was undergoing renovations, it suffered colossal damages, which is often the case in life, in our own lives. When we begin to change, when we begin to undergo renovation within our hearts and our souls and our beings, 
Sometimes things get really worse before they get better. It took until Tuesday morning to distinguish the entire fire. Notre Dame was, began in 1163. It was completed in 1345, over 850 years old. They want to rebuild it in five years. But experts say it could take as long as 40 years to rebuild it. But rebuild it, they will. It's going to rise again. And within hours of the fire, people just began to generously give. And more than a billion dollars has been given to restore the cathedral. Three different families gave $100 million. One family gave $200 million. Pope Francis said this. He responded to the fire with these words. Today we unite in prayer with the people of France as we wait for the sorrow inflicted by the serious damage to be transformed into hope and resurrection. Everything must rise. Life does come out of the ashes. Dead things do come out of spring and new life comes forth. This is a season for that. Tragedy is a part of human history, but so is hope. Hope is what gives us the will to believe for a better day. Hope is indestructible. You see, hope refuses to give up. Hope helps us rebuild our broken lives again. And the Greek word for hope in the New Testament, it simply means this, an eager expectation for good. There's an eagerness of expectation. Hope actually comes before faith. The scripture says, now faith is being certain of what we hope for. You have hope, and then it begins to grow your faith. Colossians 1 says, faith and love spring up from hope, which is stored up in heaven, about which we've already heard in a true message of the gospel. The gospel is, there is hope. You can say amen if you want to. The gospel is a reason that even in our darkest day, your worst ending, you can hope again because Jesus rose again, because he conquered death. The worst thing that can happen to you, he has conquered and there is hope for you. And when hope rises up in you, everything within you begins to change. You have this eager expectation for good things in your future. And the angel said, he is risen. He's not here. The only reason today that an estimated 1 billion people all over this planet are gathered today to worship and celebrate is because he is risen. Something has changed. We all have a new option. The ending has given way to a whole new beginning. And your old you is gone. Those of you that have already made decisions to become followers of Jesus, your old way of life is over. Your old way of dealing with things, your old patterns of dealing with things is over. And in the absence of what you once were, people often come looking for what you once were, the old you. And when some begin to follow Jesus and your old friends come and they try to find you again, the old you, just like Jesus, you can say, he or she is not here anymore. My life has been transformed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The old me is no longer here. It's given way to a new person, a new goal in my life and what I'm about and my values and who I am on this earth. Everything must rise. And when you have hope, you begin to believe again. You begin to have faith again. And something supernatural begins to get birthed inside of your spirit. And everything about you rises to another level. The way you interact, the way you deal with people, the way you talk with people, the way you behave begins to change because something inside of you has changed. There's a resurrection power inside of you. 
and dead things. Dead things don't come back to life. People don't usually come back to life. Only God can bring a person back to life. And Easter Sunday, it reminds us all things are possible. Death is not final. Death is not the ending of anything permanent in my life because of Jesus Christ. And so now we have hope and we have resurrection. My life can begin anew. My endings can become a new beginning and I can start today. We must have hope in Jesus, the only one who can die for our sins and forgive us our sins. Whenever a person loses hope, adverse things begin to happen in their life. Have you noticed that? When a person loses hope, they go to other things to try to cope. The, the despair enters in. And if they go down that path of hopelessness, it goes nowhere good. When you lose hope, the human body finds it hard to resist sickness. When you lose hope, your emotions find it hard to resist despair. Years ago, I was uh, rafting down a river, and uh, we reached some really fast rapids, and I began to hear some screams upriver. And when I turned and looked, I saw that there was a little boy that was bobbling up and down and screaming for help. And he was literally uh, gulping water and literally drowning. And as he quickly passed all the other rafts because it was so, so treacherous and so fast where it was moving there, there was literally sharp rocks underneath the water, jagged rocks, making it nearly impossible to swim or even survive. And without thinking, I jumped out of, the, out of my raft to save the boy, and I pushed his body up above the water. And as I did that, my body and my legs submerged underneath me, and they were being beaten against the jagged rocks underneath me as I held the boy up. It was brutal. It was bloody. And it was very painful. But oddly enough, in the midst of that suffering came a hope in my heart. There was a greater cause to live for, to fight for, and to hope for. And all I could think about was saving that little boy's life. If I were to stop, if I were to give in, he would have drowned. Hope kept me going. Hope says I have an eager expectation. I don't know what you're struggling to keep alive right now. I don't know what's drowning in your heart and in your soul right now. But I can tell you, do not give up hope. Hope can keep you afloat. Hope gives you that eager expectation that even in the midst of my suffering, even in the midst of my pain, comes hope. Because one thing I've learned, suffering is temporal. Yeah, it may last a week, it may be a year, it may be decades, it may be an entire lifetime of suffering, but in it you can have hope because there is a new future in heaven. There is a new kingdom. This is not the only life. Everything must rise when you have hope. But make no mistake, Jesus is the only one that can do that, which brings us face to face with our final point and the whole reason that we're all here. I heard a story recently about a young man that goes to Brave Church and he found Jesus not too long ago and he experienced a hope that he had never known before. Check out this video. Hi, my name is Tim Levy and this is my story. Um, I was born and raised in Pleasanton uh, most of my life uh, with a loving family who uh, gave me everything that I needed to succeed um, plus some and um, I was a uh, uh, Raised going to church, Catholic. Um, my family, uh, you know, brought me up knowing God. And I prayed, um, not a ton, but I prayed. Um, and I believed that uh, sincerely that there was, you know, that there was something on the other end. 
uh, listening to me and loving me. Um, uh, as I grew up, I had uh, I had dreams, big dreams for myself, uh, high aspirations in my life. I thought I could achieve greatness, um, incredible things. And um, as high school came around and college, um, I. You know, those dreams kind of started to disappear. Uh, I started doing you know, drugs and smoking weed and drinking. and I mean, everybody was, everybody was doing it. All my friends were doing it, and it just didn't seem like that big of a deal. Plus, you know, a lot of them were kind of successful too, so I thought I could do that too. Um, and as time went on, um, I started losing all of the aspirations that I had for myself. The direction that I had in life had taken a course um, that... I had never thought possible. Fast forward to, I was 29 years old and still living with mom and dad. Um, not where I thought that I would be at the time. And uh, I would wake up in the morning, take an Adderall to get my life going, to get the engine running, go and work for probably like three to four hours and come back home just to smoke weed, take a chew of tobacco, play video games all day through into the late, late night. And uh, I would repeat that. That was like my daily um, routine. And um, I became weak. Um, and I was just so unhappy, so broken, so upset. Um, and I would be, it would be kind of like a Hakuna Matata during the day, but man, I would be fighting back tears at night. And I don't think anybody really knew. And my parents always told me that you know, growing up, that, that God had a plan for my life, that God had this amazing plan for my life, and that uh, if I would just give my life to Him, it would be uh, far beyond anything that I could ever dream, uh, anything that I could ever um, work up on my own. And, um, you know, in my brokenness, thinking about where I was in life and how I had achieved nothing, uh, I had not gotten anywhere that I thought I would be. I decided to make that prayer. I decided to say to God, um, you know, if that's true, then I'm ready. Because um, I don't want my life anymore. I want you to take it. Um, and I prayed um, that He would that He would show me a way, that He would guide me with somebody, that He would give me a sign or a signal. And man, no more than a few days later, he answered that prayer. And I was able to drop chewing tobacco that morning, uh, pornography. Um, three weeks later, it was, it was Adderall. Uh, three weeks after that, it was weed. Um, it was like things were just dropping that in my life that, that, I, had, that I had struggled so hard to get away from. Um, and here they were just disappearing out of my life. And I thought to myself, I feel strong. I feel like I have this new confidence that, that like, is unworldly. I, I, couldn't, I can't even describe it. Um, my life has just been changing. I have conversations with people, like real conversations with people. Um, my heart beats uh, in a different way now. Uh, I wake up with this fire, this life inside of me that I, I, I don't have this laziness that I used to have. I mean, it's fire every single day, and I don't think it's going away anytime soon. Um, my, my relationships with my family, I mean, they're passionate. I call my brother, my sister, my mom, and my dad to talk to them, to say hi, to tell them how much I love them, to see how much I can help them. Like, that's not normal for me. That's definitely not normal. Um, 
I pick up a Bible and I read it like it's a storybook. I read it like it's like Lord of the Rings. Like I'm so intensely into this book now. It's, it's amazing to see how the miracles aren't just back then. They're right now. Um, and man, if it could happen to me, it could happen to anybody. Um, I just, I never thought that you could speak um, words to God and he could literally pick you up and radically transform you from the inside out. It's, it's the most amazing thing and uh, it was the best decision that I ever made. Everything must die. There are things that need to drop off and in so that a new beginning can happen, so that everything can rise. Tim experienced point number three, which is the future is Jesus. Jesus gives us hope and a reason beyond whatever has us stuck. In verse seven, but go tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. The resurrected Jesus says, go tell them I'm going on ahead of you. Jesus has the final say over death and life, over sin and and unforgiveness. Jesus is the one that can bring that to us. How many of you, uh, if you'd be so bold, how many of you are over the age of 50? Would you raise your hand if if you're able? (laughs) Okay. You put them down. Uh, how many of you are under the age of 50? Raise your hand. Wow, wow. Now, you know what you two groups have in common? 100 years from now, you're all going to be dead. <laughs> Wouldn't it be unwise to spend your entire life knowing something is going to happen and not prepare for it? Easter says, there is a hope in a risen Savior. God is the creator of hope. He represents all that is in the future, all that is eternal, you will find God. If you want to have a conversation about living forever, you're going to need to include the only one who has the power over death, Jesus Christ. And so we end the gospel of Mark in this study in Mark chapter 16 with Jesus saying these words, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Jesus goes ahead of you to bring from the future into your present a hope for today. Jesus holds the hope of today and tomorrow in his hands. Because he paid the price. He made the ultimate sacrifice. Sometimes, you know, someone always has to have the final say. I don't know who has it in in your home or in your life or on your job or your career or whatever the decisions are that are being made on your team, but there's a final say. Jesus Christ, the creator of life, is the only one that has the final say over death and life and sin. He has the final authority to condemn. There is a beginning And there's an ending, and his name is Jesus. The Bible says he's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Jesus' resurrection gives us all a new option of hope, a new way to live. And so hope releases you from your past, and Jesus can do that today. And hope helps you bounce back, and Jesus 
can do that today. And hope is what fuels us and makes us all better. And Jesus can help make you better today. He can begin that process. And because Jesus came back to life, you can too. In the wages of our sin, there's death and those choices that we make. But in the gift of God, there's eternal life. And it's Easter Sunday. The best future is in Jesus. His resurrection means that I can live a resurrected life, that my life really can change today. For God so loved the world that he gave his own one and only son, that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. There's a story about a Polish concert pianist named Paderewski. And one night he was doing a, a concert, a big concert hall, and a mother thought, I'm going to bring my nine-year-old boy, and, and maybe this will inspire him to want to take piano lessons, and he'll be in awe of this, and he'll want to do this. Well, nine-year-old boys are a little restless in a concert setting, and there was an intermission, and he got restless, and he broke free from the rows of chairs, and the next thing you know, he's up on stage, and, and everybody gasps as they see this little boy who's walking towards this beautiful grand piano. And the crowd is all wondering, where's this kid's mother? And, and, and the mother is wondering, where can I hide? Right? And the boy gets over to the piano, and he gets up onto the bench and uh, this big concert hall, and he starts playing chopsticks. And as the boy starts playing, much to the shock of the audience, they see Paderewski come out very quietly behind the boy. The boy doesn't see him. And he comes up from behind him. He's not mad at him. He's not angry at him. Instead, he literally puts both of his arms around the child and whispers in his ear, you're doing great. Just keep going. Don't give up. Don't give up. And together they played a duet of chopsticks. And that night after the concert, no one remembered the concert. But everybody remembered the nine-year-old boy and the duet. It's a picture of what Easter's all about. Jesus Christ shows up not to condemn you, but to come around behind you and to wrap his arms of love around you and say, don't lose hope. Whatever you're going through today, whatever it was like for you last night, don't lose hope. Whatever this year has been like for you, don't lose hope. Whatever has died in your life, don't lose hope. Believe in resurrection. Believe in me. The first purpose of your life is not to go do something for God. The first purpose of your life is not to serve. The first purpose of your life is to let God love you. It starts with a loving caring relationship. Let's do this together. Let's receive this, this hope that he has for us today to free us from our past and our sins and the things that we know need to end and to grab a hold of a new beginning and to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads with me if you wouldn't mind, just in reverence to those that are around you, just a quiet moment for each and every person just between you and your creator. If you're here today and there's something in your heart that says, I want to end some things today. I want to lay down some things today. I want to let some things go. And I want to receive forgiveness of my sins. The things that 
eat at me, the things that bother me. I want to receive the forgiveness that Jesus Christ is offering to me. And I believe that he died on the cross for me and that he was resurrected on the third day for me. I believe that he loves me and I want to receive that love. No, I don't have all the answers to all my questions. I understand that. We are finite human beings. So many questions. But there's hope. And there's faith that's rising up inside of your heart that says, I want to believe. I want to make a decision today. And I want to follow Jesus. And right where you're sitting, if that's happening inside of your heart, would you just slip up your hand and say, yes, pastor, that's me. Just go ahead and respond. That's great. Yeah, all over. That's great. Just respond to him. It's between you and him. It's wonderful. You can put your hands down. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And those of you that raised your hands, you can make this prayer your own. And church family, you can make this your prayer as well, right where you are. Dear Lord Jesus, I admit to you that I have sinned. I know that I cannot save myself. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I believe that your death, that ending, was for me. And I believe that your resurrection is for me. And I receive your sacrifice on my behalf. And as best I can, I now transfer all the trust that I've been placing in myself and my strength and what I believe and what I can do. And I place all that trust into you. I open the door of my life to you. And by faith, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for forgiving me my sins and giving me eternal life. Amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Bay Area, we would love for you to join us at a Sunday gathering in San Ramon. For directions, gathering times, or information about our Brave Kids program, visit us at brave.church. Also, if you want to help support what God is doing through Brave, you can give online to the Brave Foundation at brave.church forward slash foundation.